Uh, when I typically deal with marriage and uh, family, like we're doing with this series, um, I want to just share a little bit about what to expect. Number one, I like to have a little bit of fun, so we're going to be picking on, we're going to be doing things, we're going to be saying things out of the ordinary. Uh, another thing is, is that I like to cover a lot of areas in marriage, so we're going to get a lot of information. What we're doing with this particular day here, uh, it, it is, um, it's a rather simple thing that we can do, but it's not easy. What we're going to be talking about in just a few moments. And the third thing I'd like to talk about, and I always talk about in every marriage series that I deal with, we're going to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about sex. And uh, it would be my recommendation that if you have a 13-year-old or younger, that you send them over to Life Kids or you send them over to the, to the East Street building across the street with our junior hires and let them be there. And uh, at least I've warned you. You can go from here and do whatever you want with your kids. It's okay by me. So let me go to my ladies first. Let me talk to all the ladies. Let me ask you a, a quick question right now. Uh, and that is, how many of you when you were younger, you know, like maybe even a child or a young teenager, however it may be, how many of you when you were younger that you fantasized about one day having the perfect wedding with the perfect guy living in a perfect house and even named your perfect kids before they were ever born? Or if anybody, any woman in here has had anything even similar to that, would you just give me a quick wave? Just a real quick wave. Come on. Give me a wave. Okay. Okay. You can put your hands up. Now to the guys. Gentlemen, let's talk a minute. Um, if I was a betting man, I would bet that you had a bit of a different fantasy when you were a teenage boy. Simple, huh? How many of you as teenage boys maybe dreamed about getting married and having sex with your wife at least twice a day? Come on, guys, raise your hand. Be honest, be honest. How about three or more times a day? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay, good, good. I, uh, I, I get that. And now to everybody, how many of you are still dreaming to this day that something like that would happen? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand on that one. That's okay, I'm just kidding. It's interesting how sometimes our expectations of what we hope for in marriage, it seems to just fall way short of what it actually should be and what it could be. And I believe you have to admit that so many marriages are just not working. They're just not working. Stats are proving this over and over again. And, and it's really scary to me. Very, very scary. It's scary to me, especially depending on whichever article that you're going to read, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 50%. 50% of marriages don't make it in America. That's huge. That is an unbelievable number in my, in my estimation, in my thought. It's just a huge, huge number. It's, it's scary for me. And when you, think about, when you think about it, if in any other area of your life, no matter what that may be, <clears throat> if someone important to you that you could possibly lose them and there's like a 50% chance that it would happen to you, I can't imagine that you wouldn't do something about it. I can't imagine that you wouldn't do something to try to avoid or eliminate this person because of, of ignorance. I, I just don't think you would do that. I think you would do something about it. So think about it with me just for a moment. Now, if for whatever reason, I'm going to California. I'm flying to California this afternoon. I'm not. But if I was and I get on the plane and all of a sudden the pilot says, as we're loading, he says, oh, by the way, everybody, I just want you to know... I want you to know that we have a 50% chance of making it all the way to California. And we have a 50% chance that we're going to crash. I think I would be the first one off the plane. I'm not going to fly in a plane that does that. Or maybe another idea, maybe another thought to sort of drive it home is that if there was a 50-50% chance that your son or daughter, while they're riding on the Ferris wheel at the New York State Fair, if they're not buckled in properly, they're going to fall out and they're going to be killed. 
Now, I can't imagine for a moment that you as a parent wouldn't think of something, what can you do to ensure their safety? I believe that either what you're going to do is you're going to get on a ride with them, you're going to buckle her up, him up, uh, buckle yourself up and go for the ride, and if for whatever reason they're not letting you do that, then what you will probably do next is to take your 17-year-old son, put him on the merry-go-round and say, suck it up, son, because this is as good as it's going to get at the New York State Fair for you. We do something, we do something in order to make sure that those odds uh, will not take our kids out or whoever, whatever the situation is. So with the odds being as they are with marriage and with so many people going towards marriage today, I would argue that the reason that marriages are struggling is because so often people are not actually spiritually prepared. They're not spiritually prepared to live in a marriage that would honor God that would really bless you more than you would ever imagine it to be. If you were to ask me, is a God-honoring great marriage even possible? Is it even possible? And I would look at you and I would say, yes, 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 yes. Completely, totally, yes, it's possible. It is possible to have such a great marriage. It is possible for something to be like that. But it's not likely if you follow the path that so many people follow today. The series that we're on today is called The Vow, uh, taking some of our thoughts from Life Church, which is, this is where this is, is coming from, as well as some other that I pulled from, but the, the, the series is entitled The Vow, and we're going to cover four different vows over these four weeks. And today, the vow that we're looking at is called The Vow of Priority. The Vow of Priority. I'd like to start this off, The Vow of Priority, about um, Something that's rather common in America, something that's rather common. Uh, actually, a lot of our kids are taught this from Disney, um, from princess uh, movies, maybe uh, fairy tales, love stories, even us as adults. Uh, I don't think I've ever watched a chick flick. Maybe I have. I just don't want to remember that. But uh, for, even for some adults, there are those of us who, who uh, love love stories and would watch love stories. My wife loves that kind of stuff. And, uh, but the common idea in all of this, what they say over and over again is something like this. To be really, really fulfilled in your life, you have to meet the one. To really, really be fulfilled in life, you have to meet the one. To really, really be happy. To be really, really uh, have a life that has meaning for you. You have to meet that perfect person that gives you goosebumps when you see them. That smells so good. Whose hair is absolutely beautiful. Never mind that one. Um, But anyhow, to really, really be happy in life. They say you have to find the one. And now after meeting him or meeting her, it now makes sense to you. Every one of those love songs now, they, they make sense. It's, it's exactly the way it should be. It makes sense. Um, you have to find the one to be really, really fulfilled in life. They say you really, to find the one, you really have to be happy in life if you would find the one. And what I'm hoping for after this message today, that some of you who are very, very different, instead of saying to be really fulfilled in life, I've just met the one. Oh, I've just met the one. I just met the one. He's so cute. He, he's, he's got a job. My last three guys didn't have any work, didn't work at all. They were bums. This guy's got a job. He's not addicted to PS4. In case you don't know, that's a video game. He's, they're not addicted to PS4. In fact, my guy, he doesn't even know what a video game is. I love him. He's perfect. I love this guy. 
She's amazing too. She's just amazing. I love her. I love her when she worships God. You know what? She even lifts up her hands when she's worshiping. I mean, she's just amazing. I think I just met the one. What I'm hoping for in this series, if that's how you typically are, if this is how you approach relationships, I'm hoping that you're going to make some, do something a little bit different, as I was saying here a moment ago, that you would do something different, that when you find that person, I'm hoping that you would say something like this, I just found the two. I just found the two. I think I just met my number two. He's amazing. He has a real job. She's beautiful. She loves God first and foremost. So why would you be excited about finding a number two? Let me explain it to you. Point number one today. The reason for that is because God is your number one and your spouse becomes your number two. God is your number one and your spouse becomes your number two. Even Jesus said so very clearly to us, uh, any, above anything and above everything else, make God number one, that he needs to be number one. Mark chapter 12, verse 30, and it says these words, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. God is first. If you're a believer and a follower of Christ, married or unmarried, God needs to be first. God wants to be first. It says within the word, Jesus says, he is to be loved first and foremost above everything in your life, above everything, everyone in your life. And then he goes on to say in verse 31, that's not projected. And it says that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what we're to do. So this priority to really have marriage that honors God is really important to us. We must put God first in relationships and then our spouse becomes number two. Our spouse then becomes number two. Now I'd like to, to take another quick little poll here if I could just do this just for a moment for everybody who's not married, everybody who's not married. If you're not married here today, I'm gonna ask you just for a moment, hold up your hand, be raised, honestly, now come on, just, okay, now keep them up, keep them up and begin to look around. If you're not married, begin to look around right now. And if all of a sudden, when you look at her, her eyes twinkle, she could be the one. Oh, wait, keep looking, keep looking. And, and if all of a sudden he smiles at you and he has all of his teeth, he could be the one. He could be the one. Now, you can put your hands down. I'm just kidding with you. I mean, you know, there is a saying out there, he who finds God finds life, and whoever finds God finds a wife. That's a pretty good thing to learn, a pretty good thing to know. So I would say to you, um, seriously, I would say to those of you who hope to be married one day, that maybe, just maybe, this would be your vow. You're not married yet, but maybe you're moving toward this. Let this be your vow. Let it be this. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. It's a little bit like this story. There was this young girl. She was a Christian, raised in a Christian home, loved God. And she goes off to college. After she goes off to college, she walks away from Jesus completely, totally, and gets into all kinds of trouble, gets involved with everything, all the wrong things, every kind of party that she went to. She got into drugs and everything that would go along with that kind of a lifestyle. She has blitzed out her life. She has blitzed out her life. And it just so happens that one of the parties that she's at, uh, she meets this guy at this sorority party, and he's the real deal. 
He's really the real deal. He's a rock-solid believer. He's strong in his faith. He's an amazing Christian. Loves God, loves people, does a great thing here on planet Earth. And she ends up quickly calling her mom. She goes off to the side with her, her, her phone, and she calls her mom, and she says something like this. She says, Mom, I met him. I've met the guy. I met who I'm looking for. I mean, he's perfect. He's, he's godly. He's a strong leader. I think he's absolutely amazing. And then mom. Then mom responds to this phone call so very, very tenderly to her daughter. And she says something like this, oh, sweetheart. Sweetheart, you, you just need to understand. If he's everything that you say he is, if he is everything that you're saying that he is, a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. And you need to understand that. I love what Andy Stanley says. Andy Stanley says, become the person you're looking for is looking for you. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. I said it wrong. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. In other words, in other words, your thought process needs to be, you've got to have it settled within your heart right now. This is who I am. And this is, this is how I'm going to find the right person for me, the right number two in my life. I'm going to seek the one. I'm going to seek the one. I'm going to live for God first. My whole life will be devoted to him. He's, he's the king of my life. And he's the Lord of my life. He's preparing me with someone, preparing me with someone for the rest of my life that I could serve him with that individual, with that number two for the rest of my life. Just so you know, God always, she says, this person would say, God always would always have uh, my one in mind and I'm gonna seek him until I find him with what he's prepared for my number two. For those of you who are here today and you are married, I believe this should be your vow. I believe this is what you should say. I promise. I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. My, I, I ask you to say this. I promise that God will be my, my first priority and my spouse will be my second. Let's say it all together. I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. I want to pull from the context of Genesis chapter 2 just for a moment here. A lot of us know all of this, you know, in Genesis chapter 2, it's not going to be new to you. But Adam, when he was created by God, he was living alone. And God said in Genesis chapter 2, he says, this isn't good. It's not good that man should be alone. So he'll make a helpmate for him is what the scripture says. And so he ended up taking Adam and put him to sleep. And when he put him to sleep, he ended up taking the rib out of Adam. And from the rib he created, he formed a woman. He formed a woman. It was a miracle. And Adam, when he saw Eve for the very first time, he looked at her and he said, whoa, man. Thus she gets the name woman from whoa, man. Now, that's about the corniest joke. I said that joke when I got here 26 years ago. I mean, this is an old corny joke. And I promise I'll never say it again. I'll never do this to you again. But the fact of the matter is, is that he, God did create this woman 
for the man. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, one of my favorite scriptures. And it says these words, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. Listen to my friend, if you're going to enter into marriage in any way, shape, or form, God starts this whole journey out by saying to you, there will be a leaving process. There's no way you can enter into your marriage and still be tightly, deeply, intimately connected to someone outside of your marriage. You can't do that. I mean, you're going to passionately and passionately will and do love your kids and all of that stuff. But as far as that husband and wife relationship, it has to go this way. And that's what God is saying. So when you look at the word leave, it means to loosen or to relinquish. In other words, when you're growing up as a child, when you're a young teenager, however you may be, your primary relationship in this life is your mother and father. The most intimate, typically, the most intimate relationship uh, outside of a husband and wife relationship is parent-child relationship. Typically, it's not always that way, but typically it's that way. But when you get married, when, when God presented Eve to Adam and they got married, it's all in that verse 24, um, when they got married, that relationship order changed. And now it's your spouse. Your spouse is your primary love. God is number one and she or he is number two is the way that it should be. And uh, so it goes from mom and dad to spouse. Mom and dad take a lower level of, on that ladder rung, that's a lower ladder, uh, ladder whatever I'm thinking of, it's on the lower part of that ladder, and uh, it now goes to your mom and dad. And your God is your number one. Your spouse becomes your primary human right after God, right after God. So for your information, when you believe your spouse is number one, if, if, if you don't have that all in order yet, and you believe, and you're thinking that your spouse is your number one, eventually, eventually you're going to idolize them, or you will demonize them. One way or another, when, when you think and believe that your spouse is number one, eventually you're going to idolize them, you will demonize them. In other words, something like this, you're going to idolize them. Uh, you're amazing, you're perfect, you're everything I've ever wanted. Ladies, ladies, my man, my man is so calm, cool, and collected, he's amazing. Then they get married, and when they get married, she then demonizes him. You lazy bum, get off the couch and get out there and mow the lawn. You, you. Idolize them, you demonize them. You idolize them. She's amazing. She's just amazing. She's so organized. She's driven. She's a hard worker. You demonize her. She's driving me crazy. I need to be set free from this woman in Jesus' name. She's got to go. We have that tendency when we believe our spouse is number one. You idolize them, you demonize them. And the problem is, is that you're expecting your spouse to meet a need that they're not able or designed to meet. But only God is designed and only God is capable to meet that number one need of your priority, of your life, not your spouse. Your spouse can't do that. No way you can do that. And together you serve God, both of you together. But that person is not designed to meet the need. That is something that only God can do. Only God can meet that need. And what typically happens early on in a relationship is that your girlfriend is your number one. Your boyfriend is your top priority. Then you end up getting married. And she is still your pri priority. He is still your priority. And then a kid comes along. How many have kids in this room? Raise your hands. Then a kid comes along. We've all, just about all of us have dealt with that. Our, our kids come along and all of a sudden, suddenly... Instead of the marriage relationship being under God's priority, under God's priority, son, suddenly it's under another priority, and that's our kids. 
And before you know it, not very long after the kid is born, this happened with Marianne and I, it's happened with you, I'm sure. All of a sudden, shortly after a child is born, mama is so involved with the kids, and thank God that she is, but we begin to be a little bit jealous. You know, you're taking care of that baby, but what about this baby? You know, you need to take care of me too. You know, so we become a little bit jealous and we end up working a lot of overtime. And she ends up going off to daycare and drop the, the kid off, the babies off, whatever, whoever they have, and uh, drop the babies off. And then she pours herself into her career or, or her kids, however it may be. And suddenly the marriage relationships gets put on a shelf. And then now fast forward. Fast forward to your deathbed. I've seen this happen way too many times in my years. But fast forward to the deathbed. You know, the reality is, is that most of us don't have time when we die. So many, so often it just happens. It's so quick. It's not expected. But sometimes it is. Sometimes we have a week or a two or a month or two or whatever the time may be before we go. And in that time, all of a sudden, things become crystal clear that you're coming to the end. The things that really rise to surface, that really matters, that really, really matters, it rise now uh, with a whole different thought behind it. Because as you're going to the end, you don't care about your money. As you're going toward the end, you're almost there. You don't care about things. You don't care about success. What you think about is God. What you think about is your family. I told the church a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago when I was doing a series, I talked about Burt McCormick, who's one of the guys that was with me at West Point. He, was, he was, uh, lived in Highland Falls. I went to the hospital to visit him in, in, in New York City, and uh, he kicked me out of his room. He says, who are you and what are you doing here? My name is Randy Chiz. I pastor Highland Falls Assembly of God Church. I'm a chaplain at West Point, and uh, uh, Jimmy Galoo told me to come and see you. And he says, get out of here. I don't want you and I don't want your religion. Just get out of here. And I left there. I was, I was really down. I was depressed. I really felt that I was supposed to go help this guy. And he was a jerk. And uh, I was an absolute angel. And, uh, and, and, uh, but about two months later, after he kicked me out of the room, I just had another thought about Burt McCormick. And I went to my friend and I said, how's Burt doing? Any word on him? And he says, he's really bad. He's really bad, but he's at home. So I ended up going to his house, knocked on the door, didn't know what to expect. And he he, uh, his wife opened the door. She said, come on in. And I came in and, and Burt McCormick stood to his feet, loaded with cancer, has no hair. He is, probably weighs 90 to 100 pounds. He was a big guy. He was a big guy who worked in a nuclear plant down there on the Hudson River. And uh, he started crying when he saw me and he held me and I held him and I'm crying too. And I told him about the Lord and he was a strong Roman Catholic, loved God and it was in his way at that time. But now um, I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ, okay? So we, we hung out for the next couple, three months together. Fast forward to his, his death. I'm with him as we're on the day he's dying. I'm at his home. And Burt McCormick was a car guy. I'm a car guy. I love cars. I've always loved cars. You know that. And uh, Burt was one too. The only problem was he, he loved Mustangs. I, I'm, a, I'm a GM guy. He was a Ford guy. And we know Fords aren't that good. Um, but and that's another subject at another. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about the Fords. But Bert was there, and uh, we're, we're at a large table in this room, a very large table, and he has all these models of cars, and almost all of them are Mustangs. He was a Mustang nut. And uh, he's weeping, and he's just hours from death. And as he looks at the table, he didn't say, he could hardly speak words, and he would tap on his heart, and he would keep on pointing to the cars. And then he turned over to the, the right, and there, standing there, probably 15 feet away, was his wife and his two sons, who are a little bit older, just outside, just about ready to go into college. And he would, go, he would look at these cars, and he would go like this, and he would go, 
And then he would look over there and he would shake his, shake his hand and look at his wife. And what he was telling me, I asked him and he said yes. He shaked his head yes, shook his head yes. I said, are you telling me that you feel like you devoted your whole life to this? That is really empty, that it really isn't everything to you. But you neglected that. And that's what it was. It was a heartbreak. When you fast forward and you're at that time of your deathbed, things become crystal clear. It's not about money. It's not about things. It's not about success. Number one, it's about God. And when you're that close, you're thinking thoughts like, will I be accepted by God? Will he receive me? Is there a place for me? And the second thing is, and I've experienced this personally, when you're dealing with death face to face, when you're dealing with that, when death is happening, the, the next question is, is my family? Where's my family? Where's my wife? Where's my husband? Where's my kids? Where's my brothers, my sisters? Whoever you may have in your life, you want family and you want them to be all around you. You want that to be close. I'm telling you, God needs to always be your first priority. You need to have that and allow your spouse to be your second. Because whenever anything uh, takes the place of God or takes the place of the priority of the marriage, even if it's a good thing, even if it's a good thing that you're dealing with, loving cars is not a sin, it's not a bad thing, but if that's all you do and if you don't have any priorities in relationships with your spouse, your kids, family, and friends, then you're sort of sick in the head. You know, you need to, you need to take care of those things. So even if, with some of the good things that could take place, it could change the your whole life, unless you would have the priority of letting God be first, letting him be first. I want to raise my hand and tell you, honestly, as your pastor, I've not done this right my whole life. I've not done this right. I mean, Marianne, she's, she is the most patient, loving. She is the girl of my dreams. I love her with my whole heart. But she's also a, a woman who deserves more than what I was giving her. And what I would so often do, this isn't a bad thing, but it's what I did, is that I would prioritize my ministry, my church, you, people, sermons, I, I would prioritize that over my wife. And there would be hours, there would be days that she wouldn't see me. I mean, she would see me a little bit, and uh, we would get together once in a while, but that, it was wrong. It was wrong. And consequently, those kind of things can, could take a toll on a marriage if we're not careful. It's not a, always a bad thing that makes us lose our priority. It's even good things that can happen to us. So I want to give you one big thought. I want to give you one big thought and one simple thought. And I want to introduce it this way to you. Uh, uh, I want to introduce it this way to you. And again, it's not always bad things that destroy marriages. There's also good things. Point number three is this. It's often good things that are out of place in our relationship. And I'm challenging you with number three is that you would protect the priorities. Pro protect the priorities. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Seek first the things of proper priorities. For those of you who are here today and who are not married, listen, if you're going to get married, if you have it in your head, you're going to get married. I want to marry him. I want to marry her, or you're gonna find someone someday soon, and you'll be able to say that. I'm asking you, I'm asking you that you would right now, you're going to get married in the future, embrace it today. Embrace what we're talking about today. Don't let this be a lesson that you're going to start following in 11 years when you meet him or her. Start it now. Start it right now. You decide. God will always be my number one and my spouse will always be my number two. That's the way it always will be. You want to make your wife happy, sir? 
You want to really make her happy? You let her know. God is my number one. Agnes, Stella, Betty, whatever your name is. God is my number one, and you are my number two. You say those words. Well, I won't go any further. You, you can experience what I think you're going to experience with your wife if you do that kind of thing. You and I need to do those kind of things. For Randy Chiz, my God is my first priority. He is my first priority, and Marianne is my second. She is number two. She is right up there. I have one of my sons in this room right now, and he would tell you, tell you that his father is a great protector of his wife. And I have always been that way. She is my number two, and I love her with all of my heart. If you're married today, and you're struggling in any way with your marriage or your family, I can almost guarantee you that you can trace it back to a root issue. And that root issue is, is that you're not putting God first. If right now today you're having issues, whatever may be going on, it's very serious or not so serious, but you're, if you're having a constant issue going on, I'm here to tell you, I believe with all of my heart, you're not seeking God first. You're, you're not putting God first. You're not following God first. You want your marriage to grow? I'm going to challenge you. Then serve God. Serve God in your church together as husband and wife. Uh, seek him first every single day. Pray together with each other. Marianne and I do this all the time. I mean, she, I have my time when I get up. I get up early every morning, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm doing my reading. I'm, I'm starting to pray. I end up coming over here very early in the morning to do my prayer time. I do this every day, and she does her things. But we also get together continuously throughout the day. We get a phone call. We get, something happens. Somebody needs something. We just heard this. We just heard that. We both grab hands. And we hold each other. Mm. And we pray. I mean, I, I got to get back to the prayer thing. I mean, and we pray. And we do this every single time. I challenge you to do that. Make sure that you come together. Make sure that you come to, all, to, to always make sure that you come together in more ways than one. And your relationship with number two will be stronger every time. Also, it's important. Do not be a child. Uh, do not be child-centered. Let me say that again. You need to hear this. We're going a little bit deeper. You, you don't be child-centered. Yes, children are a gift from God, but if you want to truly love your kids, prioritize your marriage. They're going to be facing what you're facing someday. So you need to do this. You need to, you need to prioritize your marriage for your kids. One of the best ways that you can be a blessing to your kids is strengthen your marriage. Do things, just go out, take off, be on a date. Let it be just you and your wife, you and your husband. And have the kids go somewhere else. Send them over to somebody else's house. Send them to your life group, wherever it is. But you need to prioritize this. One of the best ways we can do this, one of the best ways we can do this and be a blessing to your kids is to strengthen your marriage. Unfortunately, unfortunately, some of you revolve your whole life around your kids. Your whole life is about your kids. And those kids are the common interests that keeps the two of you as husband and wife together. That's wrong. It's a bit sick. And the reason why I say that is because one day, one day your kids are gonna be gone. They're gonna be gone and then you're gonna look at each other and when she walks in the room, you're gonna say, who are you? Where did you come from? What did you do with the woman I married 22 years ago? Who are you? And more than likely, more than likely, because of all of that, you've not had much intimacy either because you've been so involved with the kids. You're so wrapped up into your kids. You don't even have those times to get away, those times of intimacy. It just happens all the time. It happens all the time. Listen to me carefully. Children are a temporary assignment. They will always be your, your son, your daughter. They will always be that. My oldest son is in heaven right now. 
He's still my son. He's still my boy. I still deal with him as a son. And they'll always be our kids. But after 18, 19 years, they're gone. They go. And they should. That's the way God has ordained it. This is what God says. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and join to his wife. And that word man, by the way, is not just male. It's male and female. It's mankind. It's God's plan. This is what God says. So you have them for 18 or 19 years, unless you have a millennial, and then you're probably going to have them for 30 years. But we can, we, I'm just kidding. For the millennials, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding a little bit. Maybe I'm a little serious. Maybe I'm a little bit kidding. Raising your kids is a temporary assignment. Your marriage said this. Until death separates us. That takes guts. It takes guts to say it and to do it. Till death separates us. Your marriage is a permanent God-honoring commitment and that's why we have to continue to prioritize it even above the children. This is simple. I know this is simple stuff I'm talking to you about, but it's not easy. None of this is easy. My God is my first priority and my spouse is my second. As I close off this message, gentlemen, if I could just charge you as I close this off real quick, take responsibility. Protect the priorities. Gentlemen, we're fighters. We're people who will get into the, into the rough of things if we have to. Women do too. But gentlemen, typically it's birthed within us. So if someone was to break into your house this evening and start to attempt to attack your family, you and your family, how many in the room? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you in this room would stand up and fight against that intruder? You would. I believe you would. No doubt about it. Even if, if you're still in your tidy whities you're still going to go out and you're going to beat the snot out of the guy, whoever it is that comes to your house. And should that happen to you tonight, I want to know from you, and I do want you to respond to this. I want to know from you, would you do everything in your power to get that guy out so he doesn't hurt your family? Good. Just so you know, I am 100% prepared to protect my priorities. I have five pistols in my house, a lot of ammo. I have um, a baseball bat or two. I've got a beautiful 30-30-06. It is a Winchester. Shoots perfectly straight. I've got a small collection of knives that I like, and I have things placed in different locations in my home. I'm prepared. So if somebody comes into my house to do something to my family, they're going to have to get through me, and I'm afraid it's going to be pretty bloody. What we're called to do by God is not not only live for those that you love, as far as this world is concerned, but to love for our families is the most important thing that we can do. God calls you and I to live for those that you have committed your life to, and you need to do that. You need to be willing to do that. Ephesians 5 says these words, Ephesians 5, 20, 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves, also loved the church and gave himself for it. I challenge you to do that. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? If I could have our intercessors make their way down front. We're gonna close off with a song. And here's what I'm asking you to do, please. Please don't leave. Please wait. We have one last song of our worship set. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Whether you're married or not married, whether you're with your spouse or you're not with your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, however you may be, while we are doing this, I'm asking you to pray for one another. 
I'm asking you to pray for each other as husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, however your relationship is. We're, we, I, I'm assuming we have intercessors, but if not, I'm inviting you to come to the altar and to be able to pray for one another. I would love to see husband and wives come here to the altar or at their pew or right there where you're sitting, one of those seats. Just turn around and grab each other's hands and pray for one another. I challenge you to do that. I want you to say to your spouse, God is my number one and you're my number two. Or if you're a boyfriend or girlfriend, this is where I'm going, man. I want you to know I'm committed to this. If we could do that while we sing that last song, I welcome you to do that. And then we'll leave out of here. Go ahead. If we could have those, we're going to pray, we could pray, and we could do that song. Go ahead, Luke.